What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode six of Lobbing Scorchers. This is Ari Lillianwall. I'm here with producer Noah. Producer Noah, say what's up to the people. It's a it's a rainy day here in Seattle, but you know it what? That's- it's been the last couple days, and I kind of like it. It's it's a nice change of pace after the lethal heat we were dealing with for a bit. Yeah, I think it's kind of the perfect like metaphor for the Sounders. They were hot. They've cooled off. Can they turn it around? What's next? LAFC? Is it going to be a heat wave? Is it going to be a rainstorm? It's, Much to talk you know, about. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. And we're, we're going to talk about uh, the Seattle Sounders later in the show and preview that LAFC game, which is coming up tomorrow at uh, BMO Stadium now. I always still want to call it the bank, but it's BMO Stadium now. Big game. So we're going to do a little bit of preview in that later. Um, but to start it off, we're going to dive back into some U.S. men's national team punditry. Oh, um, boy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I gave my takes after the L3 game, uh, which the U.S. won 3-0 in, in a crazy game. Uh, and then uh, they won CONCACAF Nations League against Canada. Vamos. So, yeah, I, uh, I got to give my takes on that, too. I'm really not planning on being a, a regular USMNT pundit, but uh, these two games were really uh, pretty eye-opening in, in certain ways from what I saw, and I just, I just feel like I got to once again give my takes on it. A litmus um, test. Yeah. Lit- litmus? Lit- so, lit- I litmus don't know. test. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, I actually... Uh, Good reminder right there. Before we get started, I do have a couple of corrections from the last episode. Um, you know, listening back through it, I, I noticed a couple things. Um, the first one was just uh, Christian Pulisic's name. I mispronounced it the entire episode. <laughs> I called him Pulisic. I always do that. It's it's because uh, when he was first coming up, uh, that's how I read it in my head, and I would always say it like that. Um, and then I realized, you know, later on, if he's it's pool of sick, but it's just out of habit. And I noticed it on the last episode and I was like, Oh God damn it. I did that the whole episode. Didn't I just mispronounced his name the entire time. So if you notice that I'm aware of that one, um, Christian, if you're listening, Christian, I'm us. sorry. Come on the pod. Pool of sick. I got that just seared into my brain now. Won't happen again. Um, and then the second one, this, this one's actually kind of funny. My friend who was listening to it, when I was talking about the dust-ups in the U.S.-Mexico game, uh, I was calling it a fracas. Uh, apparently, that's pronounced fracas. I, I didn't really. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I well, went, we're not English majors. I, I actually am an English major. Oh. But, uh, oh I, shit. I, I, well, I was thinking about it. and I was like, <laughs> "There's no way that I that I mispronounced that." But like, I don't think I've ever actually ever heard that word verbalized. Like, I've only ever read yeah. it, and I always read it in my head. As fracas, tomato, tomato. Actu- well, I'm actually uh, gonna double down on that take because I think fracas sounds better. I like, agree. Yeah, isn't it like a more fun word? No, than I agree. Fracas. So that one, I'm not gonna. Correct. It's like crick versus creek. Yeah. Like crick just sounds better. I, I think I think fracas is the superior term there. So uh, I'm gonna be continuing to mispronounce that moving forward in this show. If it if there's ever another fracas, that's how I'm gonna say it. But, but Christian. I, 
you're vindicated. Christian, I'm, I got, I Pulisic is seared in my brain. So those were, those were the only, only two, I believe. Um, so glad we got that out of the way. Going to keep trying to limit the correction segment, but it's going to happen. I keep trying um, to tell him to just, yeah. you know, go with it. But he, he has his journalistic integrity and we respect it. I got to I got to have keep maintain my integrity. That's why you're here. Uh, but let's talk about the USMNT. Let's talk about it. I'm going to rip a little monologue here to start it off on uh, this CONCACAF Nations League title that they won. And they won it easily. Won it easily. 2-0 over Canada in the final and I just got to talk about this performance because it was really a fantastic performance. It, it was an actual soccer game, which was nice uh, after what we saw in the Mexico game. Uh, and I have to say, over these last two games against Mexico and Canada, what I saw was pretty shockingly good. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to see this team maintain this type of level going towards uh, Copa America in 2026. That'll be the test, but they demonstrated a level over these two games that something might be happening. Something might actually be happening. Like we might be really onto something and this team might actually be becoming the type of team that we've all been dreaming about based on the level of talent and the upside that this player pool has been touted as possessing. Um, but let's just talk about this game because this performance was truly fantastic. Usually when I'm doing a game review, I'm going to give you two sides of it. You know, most times there's going to be at least something to nitpick that didn't go as planned or wasn't executed correctly or whatever it may be. There's really nothing to nitpick here with this performance. I got nothing but rave reviews from front to back. And that's usually not something I'm used to saying about the USMNT. But to my eye, this was pretty much flawless from the game plan, lineup, execution, game management, the attack, everything was lights out. It was lights out. So I'm excited to talk about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm literally just going to go through and and shout out everyone in the starting lineup. And uh, this is where I think you actually, you got to give BJ Callahan a little bit of credit for the job he's done on this interim stint. On the last show, I, w- I was a little bit flippant when I uh, mentioned Anthony Hudson and BJ Callahan. I was joking around because Anthony Hudson, he gave that funny quote when he was coaching the Rapids, bottom group of players. I, that's always going to be funny. And BJ Callahan, I literally didn't know who he was. But honestly, like I would say that both of them did a great job in these circumstances as the interim coaches. I think they deserve their share of the credit. I don't know about the takes that BJ Callahan should have been given the full-time job <laughs> based on these performance the performances in these two games. People act like they know what 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 we saw, like the increased level that everyone noticed was all due to BJ Callahan being the greatest coach of all time. I don't, I I'm not ready to say that based off two games. I think you would need an actual sample to be able to know that one way or the other. Um but he did a good job and give him his credit. Um but I want to talk about the players and I'll just start from the back. The back line was phenomenal in this game and I got to give every single one their flowers. We'll start with, with the CBs, Chris Richards. I'm pretty sold on him as one of the first choice guys at this point. I think he and miles Robinson, I feel great about that as the first choice pairing with Walker Zimmerman, Zimmerman as the third guy. Chris Richards was a monster on defense in this game. He was he was dominant at times. He scored the first goal. 
He had another header off the post where he just beasted Kyle Laren in the box off the woodwork, but almost had almost had two goals. Fantastic. Feel great about him as one of the starters. Um, and Walker Zimmerman, he, he was just starting because uh, Miles Robinson got injured in the Mexico game, but he was fantastic. Didn't put a single foot wrong that I remember. He had one huge play in particular where Canada was trying to slip a ball through and if it had made it, it would have been a really dangerous opportunity and Walker just stretches his foot all the way out, last-ditch interception. The defense was under pressure at times in this game and that's going to happen. Canada's got a squad. But every single time they were in those moments defensively, they dealt with it perfectly. Every time. Walker Zimmerman's a valuable part of this team. I know that people hate him because he plays in MLS and he gave up one penalty at the World Cup. I mean, that was always a dumb take. Our defense at the World Cup was pretty much solid and Walker Zimmerman played a lot of minutes and was a big part of that. He gave up the one penalty, but that happens in soccer, okay? If you still hold that against him, then you can grow up. We had a really good defense at the World Cup. He was a big part of it. Penalty kick concessions are going to happen. It's part of the game. And as long as it's not a recurring issue, then you shouldn't judge a player off one bad play, especially if they're playing well outside of that, which he was. So shout out to both the CBs in this game. Great stuff. Jedi Robinson at left back. Fantastic. One of the best games I've seen him play. He's known as an attacking fullback. And I think that's the thing that makes him such a unique and valuable weapon. He was awesome on defense in this game. His positioning when Canada was in attack was flawless every time. There was multiple plays that I remember where Canada was putting the ball in and Jedi was right there making clearances. His 1v1 defending was on point. Great shift from Jedi. If he can play like that on defense combined with how good he can be in attack, this guy can be a force with, with this team. Joe Scally at right back. Joe Scally wasn't supposed to start this game. He got the start because Sergino Dest was suspended for the red card in the Mexico game. And that was one of the big question marks people were talking about. Would there be a drop-off from Dest to Scally? I was worried that there might be. I thought Joe Scally was on point in this game. I haven't been on the Joe Scally train as much as some people just because I just felt like we hadn't seen enough from him at the international level to really know if he was as good as people were saying that he is. And the the small runs that he did get, I, I didn't see anything crazy. Um, but but I'm, I can see it. I, I saw it in this game. I'm, I'm with it now. I'm, I'm on that train. He was on point. Joe Scali had the toughest defensive assignment in this game going up against Alfonso Davies, who... On the last show, Noah, you called him the best pl- uh, player in CONCACAF. I did. I, I might have to rescind that take. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I agreed with the take at the time, and I, I think it's at least a defensible take. Yeah. Fonzie Davies is a superstar. He's a go. He's a superstar. Joe Scally pretty much handled him, and I thought Brendan Aronson helped a lot with that, so that has to be noted. And Fonzie, he had his moments, but overall, he didn't have a good game. He didn't look like his normal self True, at all. yes. Um, but you you got to give Joe Scally credit for a lot of credit for why that was. Uh, 
And it wasn't just that. He made a bunch of plays on defense that flat out stopped dangerous looking moments from the Canadians and got us back going the other way. And on top of that, his service from out wide is really good. You can see that he put in a couple of really good balls. So honestly, huge shout out to Joe Scally. I see it with Joe Scally. Um, if he's that good and keeps developing, having both him and Dest at that position. Dest is so good. Dest. Ooh. That's stacked. That's a stacked right back pairing right there. Um, Matt Turner in goal, good stuff. He didn't have to make any uh, super crazy saves, but in those moments where Canada was threatening and they did have their looks, Matt Turner was on point. Distribution was good. Clear-cut number one goalkeeper, and I don't really see why we should have to care whether he's playing at Arsenal or not, frankly. It would be nice if he was. I, I agree with that. Like I would, I would rather have him getting those minutes than being the backup. But so far I've really seen nothing to suggest that his lack of playing time at the club level has hurt his level when he's back with the U S Matt Turner's always on point. So I understand why people might still be worried about that. And I, I, I would rather have him playing for sure, but I'm not worried about Matt Turner whenever he's back there. Not worried about Matt Turner. One of the big questions when this 11 came out, was the decision to start Brendan Aronson over Luca Della Torre. And I actually agreed with that critique at the time. That's how I would have lined it up. I would have had Musa and Della Torre as the center mids. Um, but Aronson got the start and worked out fine. I didn't think Brendan Aronson had as much of a standout indiv individual effort as some other guys. But if you look at how the team ended up playing, you definitely can't say he hurt anything. And like I said, I think a lot of the reason that Fonzie Davies wasn't able to get going is that Brendan Aronson was supporting Scally and making sure he was contained to whatever degree is possible with Fonzie Davies. Uh, and they kept a clean sheet. Fonzie Davies didn't really do much. So I really got nothing bad to say about that move from BJ Callahan to start him. The end result was a positive. The team played really well. And Brendan Aronson, you can always rely on him to bring some juice, bring that energy and he did nothing in this game to suggest it was the wrong call to start him. And it's valuable to have a guy with his type of motor to be able to slot in all over the midfield. He's, he's got some impressive versatility about him. So shout out Brendan Aronson. Eunice Musa. I don't think there's really much more that I can even say about this guy. He's so valuable to this team. Loved how he looked at the number six. He's fantastic in this game. Both these last two games were like, some quintessential Yunus Musa games and perfect illustrations of why he's so valuable. And he's only going to get better, too. That's so, what's so exciting is that so many of these players are only scratching the surface of their ultimate potential, and he's one of them. So the fact that we didn't have Tyler Adams or Weston McKinney in this game and still dominated in midfield, that's a great sign for where our depth is at there. Great sign. Christian Pulisic, Pulisic, and Tim Weah. Uh, I didn't think they were cooking as much as they were against Mexico, at least on the stat sheet, but I thought they were both still cooking. And this game turned out to be more about Gio and Balogun cooking more than them. Um, but that's fine. That's how it should work. You got to be multifaceted enough to where if a team is hyper-focused or game planning to stop you in one way, you got to be able to hurt them another way. And that's what seemed like to me happened in the first half. So... 
Pulisic and Wea might not have gotten on the stat sheet, but they were still focal points in attack. I got nothing but high marks for both of them. We all know what Pulisic can do, and Tim Wea, it's clear at this point that he's a pretty invaluable piece of everything we do. Supremely talented, still getting better. But, all right, I got to talk about these last two guys now. Because out of all the exciting stuff we saw in this game, in these last two games, this is, this is the most exciting stuff to me. This is the most exciting stuff. Gio Reyna. Oh, my God. He only played the first half in this game. He had to sub off at half, which was unfortunate. But that first half, good Lord, man. It wasn't just the two assists, both of which were fantastic. Gio was on one. He is so good at, at dribbling and like ball retention and escaping pressure. He had this one play. If you watched the game, you saw it. You'll know what I'm talking about. It was right before our second goal where he got the ball in his own end. He had two defenders on him, and he was just dancing and weaving. They had no chance at getting the ball off him. He slips right out of it, gets us going the other way. So fun to watch. He's just better. He's just better. It, just, it looks like he's playing a different sport sometimes. He's one of those players. It looks like he's playing a different game. And I think that play, as much as anything, to me, that's the type of stuff that happens when there's just a very apparent gulf in, in talent and quality between two teams. He was on one for that entire half. So good. The assist on the first goal. Gio should be taking the set pieces for this team when he's on the field. It was so cathartic to watch us score off a corner kick. It's perfect delivery. Puts it right on Chris Richards. Our set pieces were on point in general in this game. We could have had a couple more goals off of them. There's the one training ground play where Tim Way almost scored, and the one Richards hit off the post was another one. So that was just great to see. Our set pieces in World Cup qualifying and at the World Cup weren't good enough. We needed to be more dangerous on those. We have a set-piece coach. We hadn't been dangerous on those. So it was great to see that, and it was great to see Gio taking him. Um, it was unfortunate that Gio took a knock. Um, but another moment that I thought was cool was the shots that they had on the broadcast of him basically coaching from the sideline and uh, like running point from the bench. Uh, you know, after everything that's gone on with Gio, uh, it was good to see. It looked like he was comfortable with his place in the team. Uh, you know, he it, se it seems like all the guys really like having him around and, and the chemistry and the vibes just seemed really good. So that was great to see too. And then uh, his assist on Balogun's goal. That, that's actually such a hard pass to wait like that. He put it right in the exact spot where Balogun could run onto it behind the defender and set the shot up, but uh, in the spot where the goalkeeper couldn't get to it. That, that's a world-class assist. So Gio, I, <laughs> he made a statement in this game. I, and I think that statement was that he, he really is that dude. He's like that. He's a special talent. His ceiling is crazy. Should he reach it? it? It's through the roof. 
I, I fully believe in all that. He just does stuff out there that other players just can't do. He was phenomenal in this game. Phenomenal. Fuller and Balligan. Bro. All more, right. like, more like flow. Flow. <laughs> this might be the most significant development of them all. Of them all. Even more than Geo. One of the most frustrating parts about being a fan of this team over the last four or so years is that there have been a lot of times where it's felt like we've performed beneath the sum of our parts. There's been all this talk about a golden generation, how much talent we have compared to previous generations. And there were times specifically, I'm thinking of road ma- the road matches in World Cup qualifying um, where we didn't play to the level that we should have based on the ever-expanding talent that we have in the player pool. And I get why people felt like that. Like, I felt like that too. And in my mind, the biggest reason for that is that we haven't had a number nine that can reliably finish their chances at the international level. It's basically become a meme how many sitters we fucking miss. And it was so frustrating to watch sometimes because there would be games where, both in qualifying and at the World Cup itself, where the footy was actually really good. But in international soccer, when you're playing increasingly high-level opposition with better defenses and better goalkeeping, you can really only expect to have so many chances in a given game. So if you don't have strikers that can take those chances when you get them, you went, that's how you end up playing beneath your potential. And I think that's, you know, there's probably other factors involved too. But I, I felt like watching this team... That was the biggest one. Um, I've watched USMNT strikers just miss countless sitters at the ends of great attacking sequences. Um, And our striker situation has basically been a meme because of that. It really has. I've contributed a lot to that meme. Um, So with that in mind, I really cannot describe what it meant to me to watch Balogun finish that goal in the way that he finished that goal. It was cathartic to watch. Gio sets him up with the perfect ball, and that is a textbook striker's goal. Go back and watch the highlight. Go back and watch the highlight. Look at the way he uses his movement and his body to put himself in position, slipping behind that defender, and and being in the perfect spot to line that shot up. It's fantastic. You know who doesn't hit that? Who? Chris Wondolowski. (laughs) You had to you had to go there, didn't you? You no. had to you had to Wando catching a stray. Um shout out to Wando. Shout out Wando. I, I love Wando. And it's a good bit him. though. It it's is. Fair, we it, have it's to forget it. Yeah. Wando walked so the Balugan could score. That's that's a better bangers. take. That's a better take. That's my take. Um look at the shot itself on the Balogun goal where he just kicks the shit out of the ball on target. No chance for the goalkeeper. Ugh, so satisfying to watch. Smashes it in the net. Smoked. Know what? I saw that, and I believed in a higher power. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a religious person. That goal made me find religion. <laughs> I believe in God after seeing that goal. I ascended yeah. to a higher plane of existence, not previously known to mankind. That's how much that goal meant to me, man. You're not the first U.S. men's national team fan to find God while yeah. watching a game. Because you need it. <laughs> You needed to watch this team sometimes. I ascended. I'm I'm not I'm I ascended to a higher plane.
I, I don't really know how else to say it other than that this is the type of player that this is exactly what this team needed. A guy who can do that. We haven't had that. So to see him score that goal, if he's able to do that consistently, I don't think anyone in CONCACAF is fucking with us. I, I really don't. If you give us a number nine that can score goals like that, watch out. Because that's going to take this team to heights that we don't even know yet. And it wasn't just the goal. I was so encouraged by the runs he was making all game, his movement in the final third and in the box. He's a great finisher. He's showing that at the club level, but he's a smart forward too. And he's just the full package of exactly what we need. He's exactly what we need. So that's just so exciting. Um, the U.S. made a statement over these two games. I think it's fair to say. And that's that we're the top dogs in CONCACAF. Mexico isn't even in the discussion. We talked about that extensively. Um, and Canada, you know, I respect Canada. I like Tim Hortons. I think it's by all accounts a reputable establishment. And every time I go to Vancouver for a Whitecaps game, I go. I think the coffee is average, but the donuts are good. <laughs> and you know, maple syrup and Canadian bacon are both things that I that I support. Uh, hockey. Uh, I've ne- I've never been into it before, but when the Kraken were in the playoffs, I was watching and I was getting into it. So I I, I like Canada. I respect Canada. Uh, and I, I do honestly respect their team. They finished first in the octagonal. Their player pool is as good as it's ever been. And they're, they're fun they're, to watch. They're fun to watch. Fonzie Davies is a superstar. Um, they're definitely a factor, and they're an opponent worthy of respect. But I'll tell you the difference between us and Canada. And a lot of their media and journalists were actually kind of making this exact point in their takes after the game. Canada seems like they're pretty much close or already at their ceiling with what they currently have which is solid, um, but I think the question they have to ask themselves is how much upside is there? Is there enough here to take a meaningful leap from where they already are? That's an open question in my mind. They rely too much on Fonzie Davies. They had him playing like five different positions in this game, and basically with their team, if you neutralize Fonzie Davies, you can mess with them in any game. I think this showed that. Um, And... That's not the case with the with the USMNT. USMNT is nothing but upside right now. You know, with how players like Tim Weah, Gio, Musa, Chris Richards, Joe Scally, I mean, I could go down the list. With how all these guys are developing, and now with Balogun in there, there's every reason to believe that this team hasn't even scratched the surface of what's possible. Gio is only going to get better. Tim Weah is only going to get better. There's so many guys that I could name that are only going to get better. Balogun, the more he plays with the team, he's only going to get better. So that's just so exciting, and everyone should be excited about that. It's probably the most exciting time since I've been a fan of this team, which has been a long time now. Um, they, they played so good in these Nations League games, so good. And I think it's just a glimpse of what you could see. Now, potential... It's just that. It's potential. It's all theoretical. No guarantees in this game. But I'm not going to let that stop me from getting excited because these performances were fantastic. The results were one thing, but it was it was the performances that got me going, just, just how well we played. Every, everything about these two games was lights out. Uh, the goals we scored... The game, manage- the game management in the second half of this game, the Canada game, was perfect. The way we played that second half was beautiful. Masterclass in how you play with the lead. 
everything I was talking about, like with the Seattle Charlotte game on that episode and how Seattle wasn't able, able to keep a handle on the game when they were ahead, the U.S. played it perfectly between maintaining control of the game and managing it when they needed to, but also remaining on the front foot. We could have easily padded that lead in the second half and got pretty unlucky not to. So just all around great stuff. Exciting times, man. This is really the most pumped I've been on this team since I've been around the sport. And it just, it feels great to say that, you know, there's been so much negativity, so much drama, so much kind of self-loathing with the, with the USMNT. So it was just really great to watch us play like that. It, It was, it was cathartic and I loved every moment of it. And I'm just really, uh, I'm so like, uh, I'm like locked back in on the team. Like uh, there was, I've been kind of, you know, apathetic, I would say for a while about this team where I just don't really expect that much. I expect us to be relatively middle of the pack and average on the, on the international stage. And this is probably, this is one of the first times where I look at it and I'm like, I can see a real path to us competing with the big dogs. Like I I felt like that because if you look at how much talent we have in our starting lineup and the depth we're starting to stack, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. Those two games were really fun to watch. The Mexico game was chaos, but like I still had fun watching it. Yeah. And it was awesome that we we smashed on them as well. And then the Canada game, we were we were clinical. We were lights out. There, there's nothing bad I can say about either performance. And I'm just I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where it goes. No, you got anything on that? It's all going down. It's all burning down because we've signed the worst coach in U.S. men's national <laughs> team history, and it's all over now. I think. Um, I think shout out BJ. He's wrote yeah, the, man. He, he's shout he's, out BJ. He's done a great job getting these guys through this little trial of a game. We'll see how the Gold Cup goes. That starts on Saturday. Um, God knows what'll happen there. I mean, I mean, uh, it's an entirely different squad. You know, yeah. Like, I kind of, I kind of judge it as like the, this Nations League team. That's pretty much the A squad. The Gold Cup is more the B squad, but that's valuable. That like I'm gonna be watching it for sure because. That's like you you get a good idea of guys that can help contribute to the A squad in those games. So it's still it still has value. Uh yeah. I'm gonna tune in. Yeah. But I mean, not many notes. I think uh it, it, they looked good. There's some great individual players there. I'm glad that clearly they're clicking and making stuff happen and their goal scoring woes and from the World Cup are not coming back to them here scoring goals that's kind of dominant on set pieces yeah what's going on man what's going on they looked like a team possessed so we'll see what happens and like you said um copa america is coming up here sooner that's, that's and sooner that's going to be the test yeah let's get a let's get a let's get a copa america win let's let's win yeah, the whole whole not? damn thing messi who's that why not <laughs> seattle plays lafc at bmo stadium tomorrow wednesday and all right i guess i'll just you know break down where things stand with lafc first all right where are they at all right so you know when you go out to the bars with your friends and 
Yeah. You're not planning on getting that lit, but yeah. you toss a couple back, mm-hmm. you start feeling it, and you're like, I can toss back a few yeah. more. Someone someone buys a round of shots. Someone gets a round of shots. Maybe they're feeling it, so they get tequila, toss Uh-oh. back a couple more. Before you know it, you open your eyes, mm-hmm. and you're just in your bed and yeah. searing pain through every pore of your body, and you're like, wow, yeah. I hope I don't have anything to do for the next 24 hours, because whatever it is, it's not getting done. That sounds like my yeah. Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, OFC aren't quite that hungover, at least I don't know if we can say that yet, but they're, they're nursing a little hangover. Yeah. They're nursing a little hangover. And they've hit that point where it's like you can finally eat again, but you're still feeling it. Well, and I think it's, you know, there's still the potential that their hangover could get worse. I'll say this first. They're coming off a good win. They're coming off a good win. They won their last match at Sporting KC, who's been playing very well. You can't like downplay it. Like, oh, it's just Sporting KC. Sporting KC has been playing well. They were hot. Um, So you got to give them credit for that. Uh, they came back from 1-0 down. They didn't have uh, Denis Buwanga. Carlos Vela came off the bench, scored the winner. So they actually got some of their vibes back going. But but before that, there was evidence of, of a hangover. There was. Mm-hmm. Their first game back from CCO, they played Atlanta United at home. And I didn't watch that game, but I was paying attention to that result closely because I wanted to see if they were hungover. And I saw the score after the fact, and they tied Atlanta United 0-0 at home. So at first, I saw that, and I was like, okay, they might actually be hungover. 0-0 against Atlanta United, who's not good on the road at home. Like, this, we might have this starting makings of a hangover here. Yeah. But then I looked at how that game actually went, and they actually pretty much looked like normal LAFC. This is why underlying numbers are important, Noah. They racked up like 2.7 XG in that game to Atlanta United 0 point whatever, something mm-hmm. less than one. So I saw that and I was like, oh, all right, I know what type of game this was. They were just running riot on Atlanta all night and just got unlucky and didn't finish. And then sure enough, I looked at Atlanta United Twitter and they were all talking about how Brad Guzan basically had the best game a goalkeeper has <laughs> ever had and they were hanging on for dear life and they had no idea how they escaped that game at 0-0. Yeah. And I was like, okay. That really can't be tabbed as evidence of a hangover. It's a bad result, but they play. It sounds like they played pretty much like they normally do, and Brad Guzan just had a crazy game. But then they lost two straight games to the Houston Dynamo. And that's something that I think probably only really happens if you're hungover, if you're LAFC. And the Sporting Kansas City game, they won it, and they get credit for that. But it's not like they played like normal LAFC in that game. They showed a lot of character. They gutted it out and they got the win, but it was not the overwhelming dominant version of LAFC that we've been accustomed to. Yeah. Um, so the point is, this is a vulnerable team and a result is attainable in this game. A draw is attainable and I, th- I think would be an acceptable result, mm-hmm. but a win's not impossible and it's possible without the guys the Sounders are going to be missing. Uh, Noah, you got the list of absences, or can you rattle them off off the top of your head? Well, I know we're missing Alex Roldan. Christian Roldan, Javier Arriaga picked up a knock, so he, if, even with the rotation, he'll be out. Um, and Jordan. And Jordan. So, yeah, Jordan yeah. and Christian are both at the Gold Cup. Alex Roldan's with El Salvador. He actually sco- he scored a really sick goal for El Salvador today. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. That, that was he, It was like a diving header. 
but he he whipped it like far post. Really good goal. Uh, so we love to see him succeed. Congrats to Alex Roldan for sure. Uh, it's pretty. This Gold Cup thing is so obnoxious, honestly. Yeah. Just especially with, well, honestly, for both Christian and Jordan, because Christian just got back from injury and played against Charlotte, and the the team looked amazing on offense. And now it's like he's immediately gone again for the Gold Cup, which is starting like six days after Nations League or something. Can we, can we get a fucking break? Like, God. Yeah. No, uh, not how, how many soccer games do you need? I mean, I don't mind it because I, I Now like you're soccer, starting to sound like Steve Trondolo a little bit, Ari. I mean, in all seriousness, though, like, uh, this kind of... This is not good for Seattle to lose Christian rolled on for that right now yeah. after having just missed him for as many weeks as they had with concussion protocol. So that's just bad timing. And it's and allegedly, allegedly, apparently, allegedly, there was not a conversation between BJ and um, yeah, Schmetzer Schmetz, beforehand. Schmetz seemed tilted about it. He seemed, I mean, yeah. I don't think he was... T- I think he kind of clarified and corrected that he's glad that they're getting their call-ups, but... Hey BJ, bang my line before yeah. you steal my guys who just got back from injury. Yeah. Um cuz yeah, it is kind of a I think even without those absences the a result is still attainable in this game. Guys are going to need to step up. Last time the Sounders were without the Broldons, they ran Cody Baker at right back, RBW at right mid. I think you can do that in this game and compete and get a result. I think Dylan Tevez at right mid, I'm good with that too. You've got enough guys. You're missing some key ones, but you got enough. Nico Ladero should be back. He was training to, uh, today. I saw a tweet that he w- it looked like he was in full, so seems like he's on track to play. Uh, so I think the way you line it up, I know you can tell me what you think of this. Uh, I think you go Nuhu, Jackson Reagan, Yamar, Cody Baker in the back. Uh, you put JP and Rusnak back at the center mids. Uh, you rock either RBW or Dylan Tevez at right mid. Leo Chu on the other side, flanking Nico. Raul up top, and let him cook. Let the chips fall where they may. I don't know what how else you'd play it. So yeah, I can, I can, I can. Get the only debate really, the only debate that. really is right mid. I think. Like, I mean, you could put Roos up there. Um, well, okay, but I've I've thought of that in the past, but apparently, like he 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 can't. He's like an only a central player. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, like I. I don't know. I when I when he first signed, like I was thinking that he, I'm or maybe he can play left mid, but left not right mid. mid. I think yeah. that's actually well, yeah. what I'm thinking of. And then Seattle just really doesn't play him out wide. I don't think it's a bad lineup either. I mean, it's you've got Raul. He's Raul's back. out there. Nico's out there. JP is going to be out there. Backline is like I consider a backline with Cody Baker like pretty much fine. I don't yeah. really see uh, like a huge. I love drop Cody off Baker. there. I think like Alex rolled on is obviously like the first choice starter. Um, but I feel fine about Cody Baker back there. So yeah. I think you, as far as how you play it tactically, like I, I think you come at these guys They're They've been going through it. They've been going through it They're They've played like four games in the last six days. They got to be feeling that they've been rotating. Um, they haven't looked full strength since CCL ended. Steve Terundolo even said that he literally said it's physically impossible for them to get out of this stretch unscathed because of all the games that they're playing and the lineup rotation they had, the absences, injuries, whatever it is. 
So, I mean, that to me kind of suggests that it's like in their head a little bit too. Like, right, we're expected to struggle right now. So, you know, I, I also think that the Sounders and LAFC are in a similar position. They feel safe in where they are in the table, but they're also aware of how vulnerable that they could be and they need to win and they need to play and they need to come to play. I think regardless of the result, I think it's going to be a really entertaining and like hard fought game between these it two teams. It usually is with LAFC. It, it always is. Uh, there's been some outliers in there that have been not that competitive. Seattle worked in pretty good in the playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah. LAFC has taken a couple pretty one-sided home results there. But uh it's usually it's usually a dogfight yeah. when these two teams get together. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh no more I'm, injuries, please. No more injuries. I'm I you know, I'm I've been tracking this LAFC thing closely because you know, there's so much talk about how immune they were to CCL. So I'm tracking this hangover storyline. Uh, and this will be another data point for that. Um, you know, I just wish that after seeing the team roughly back at full strength in Charlotte, we could have had a second game in a row like that. So that's the only unfortunate thing. But such is life in MLS. That's how it goes. You got to be able to deal with that. You got to be able to take results in spite of that. And, um, yeah, uh, is there anything else with LAFC that we need to hit on? I think I think that pretty much sized it up. Yeah. I just I just got to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. We're we're averaging pretty much. I averaged it, Noah. It's like been like 120 downloads per episode, That's which is amazing. Really appreciate all the support. Like, subscribe, rate five stars. Write me an Apple Podcasts review. Uh, the best Apple Podcast review. If it's funny enough, maybe it'll get read. On the yeah, pod. I mean, Maybe we'll do it. Oh, yeah. That's actually a good shout. I yeah. uh, I read it myself, but um, yeah, write a good one and I'll, I'll read it on the pod. Share with your friends. Share with your friends. Share with your parents. Uh, spread the word. Your dog walker. And uh, until next time, we out. Peace.